welcome to a very special edition of the Watchers Film Show. I'm Rhys Jones. I'm Matthew Ford. I'm Terence Marshman Edwards. And today it is our annual review of the year. Woo! Look at what's happening in 2020. Bill and Ted face the music. That's on my list. I cannot wait I for this film. No time to die. Yes. Bond Ooh, 25. This for me is the, is the biggie. Wrongs are going to be righted. Ghostbusters 2020. Ghostbusters Afterlife. The title was announced yesterday. Ooh. Fast and Furious 9. To the King's Man. Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun 2. Uh, a sequel we didn't know we needed or wanted. Death on the Nile. Dune. Jamie. So that's what we thought 2020 was going to be uh, a year ago. Um, there's just a quick little glimpse of last year's show. Uh, things didn't go quite to plan with all those names of those films being released. Really, did it, boys? No. Uh, no, it didn't. No. <laughs> yeah, so it didn't go the way we thought it was going to go. But, I mean, not all bad, really, 2020, I suppose. Really, is it? Not all bad, is it? Is it? Do you remember the year that the, the, the Queen uh, had absolute dreadful time of it Windsor Castle burnt down I think it was the year that Charles and Diana divorced and she referred to it as the Annus Horribilis I remember the Queen's Anus yes yes I think this year we can definitely call this the Annus Anus this has, this has been the horrendous year, Anus year yes. unmitigated shite so we normally talk at this point we normally talk about what we call the good the bad the downright ugly of film of the year obviously this show is going to be slightly different but yet slightly the same so we're going to talk about first of all the positives of 2020 this will be a very short section i'm sure but i'm sure there'll be some positives boys <laughs> before we get on to the darkness of 2020 from a film point of view so let's 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 just open this up then let's just open this up uh, who wants to go first with a, with a highlight of a film from January, February, and March? <laughs> something they'd like to highlight, or I'll even accept something that was on a streaming service first of all this year. <laughs> well, in that case, I'll go. I'll 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 get the I'll get, get the, the ball, ball rolling of positivity. Go. Yeah, it was a film that I saw either at the very end of last year or the very beginning of this year, I can't quite remember when it was that I saw it, but it is a streaming one, and I think it is still available. Uh, and if it is, I would heartily recommend that you go and check it out. And it's The Two Popes. Not seen it. Heard of uh, it, not seen it. Yeah, directed by Fernando Mireles, who did City of God and Constant Gardener. Uh, written by Anthony McCartan, who adapted it from his own play. Uh, and it's about various meetings between, as it says, two popes. So it starts off in 2005 with the death of John Paul II and obviously the enclave to choose the next pope. At that point, it was considered that Cardinal Bergoglio, who has now gone on to be Pope Francis, would have been elected then. But obviously, Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, Benedict XVI, got picked instead. So several years later, Benedict decides to step down. And obviously, the, in the, the ensuing election, Cardinal Bergoglio becomes Pope Francis. It's a very stagey 
film because it's based on a play, but it is definitely worth watching for the two central performances by Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins. Because they are both superb, both nominated for Oscars this year. Jonathan Price plays Pope Francis, and I couldn't think of anyone better to play him. Because when Pope Francis was originally kind of elected as Pope, there were memes going around that it was actually Jonathan Price. And Anthony Hopkins plays Benedict, and he is really... It's a, just the, the clash of the two, the, the conservatism and the liberalism just kind of meeting together. And that's what's worth watching, is just the two of them sparring. may not be to everyone's tastes, but it's a very, very well-made film, very well-written as ever, a very highbrow beginning, um, which has surprised me for 2020. Uh, it won't last. Lofty height. Lofty height. Do you know what I mean? It won't last. Matt, do you want to go? Go on, give us another highlight of this year then. Oh, sorry, of uh, the, the first quarter. Yeah. Um, the last film that I saw at the cinema before this madness all started... It is my favourite Nicolas Cage film where he plays an alpaca farmer. Okay, what? <laughs> it is Colour Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage. I've the, never uh, heard of this film. You've, no, you, you've never heard of it? Never heard of it, okay. Um, I only saw it at a like, late screening at Cineworld, right, like, not long before lockdown happened. It's based on the, uh, the the short story by H.P. Lovecraft uh, about an American family, all white picket fences and all that, and an asteroid lands in their garden, and then weird stuff happens. Okay. It's directed by one Richard Stanley. Would anyone like to take a guess at what Richard Stanley's last film was? Anyone want to take a punt? Guess. Color Out of Space? His last film was back in 1996, and he was sacked from it. And that film was The Island of Dr. Moreau, starring Marlon Brando. How many directors that film have? (laughs) Yeah, his first film since 1996. Been a long road back then. Mm. Uh, this, if, if Two Popes is not to everyone's taste, Colour Out of Space, Tez might like it, Reese, no. Oh, I said no. Then. <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> not. I'm done. Absolutely not. Uh, this film is bonkers. It is absolutely nuts. Um, it sounds the, it, I've got to be fair. The, the jarring tonal shifts from horror to comedy, where I'm not sure how much of it was intentional, how much of it wasn't. It does have my favourite line from 2020, which is where Nicolas Cage teaches you how to milk an alpaca, where he says the line, and I quote, you've got to warm the boob. 2020 is more horrifying than I actually first thought it was going to be. This is the best we're talking of, right? I'm not selling this. I admit, I'm really not selling this. Well, I mean, you've got to be honest. I mean, that's good advice in life as much as anything else. Absolutely. You've got to warn the nip. It's, it's, you know, you can't just go straight in. And yet, and yet this film works. I was sucked in. The balance of practical effects and CGI is spot on. It gets it right. And weirdly, 
although it's not saying much for Nicolas Cage, it's probably his best film in years because he doesn't do the whole Nicolas Cage off the style off the scale crazy. He reigns it in, and weirdly, that's even more creepy. It's it's going to be a cult classic. Give it a go if you want something genuinely. You'll be sat there going, "What the hell am I watching?" <laughs> but at the same time, I liked it. Me personally, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Color out of space. If you want something mind-bendingly bonkers, give it a whirl. 2020. I'm going to go straight off then with uh, 1917, directed by Sam Mendes, uh, which is... Uh, when I first watched it, I was like, this film's amazing. It's a masterpiece. It's fabulous. It's amazing. It's great. Okay, my opinion hasn't changed that much because it's still in my good list. It's just when you have a little time to think about it, the plot's a little bit weak. Um, <laughs> when, you just, when you stand back a little bit, the plot is a bit shit. <laughs> There's not enough in it, really. But saying that, it's a, it, it, it's a fantastic piece of film. It's, it's, you know, it, it's depiction of the trenches in World War I. It's, it's brutal. It's horrible, of course. Two young leads, George McKay and Dean Charles Chapman, they're superb in their, in their roles. Uh, the supporting cast by numerous big names is fantastic. Uh, Sam Mendes' direction is on point. It's perfect. Um, and uh, this film, obviously, it's, it's, its main thing that people go on about is it, it's a one-shot film. It's, it's, it's a continuous moving camera from one angle from the start to the end of this film. And... The DOP, who is the amazing Roger Deakins, it's it's just a piece of art. It's poetry and motion watching this film. Apart from the fact that the plot's a little bit shit, it's breathtaking. <laughs> <laughs> it's an experience rather than storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. It? You are immersed. You're in the trenches with them. It, it is... Because of the, the, the use of the camera, it's almost documentarian. You're like... You're constantly, it's you, 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 the audience are viewing it. You know what I mean? And the, you're moving around the action. It's as if you're in amongst it, watching things happen. It's as if you've got a helmet on watching through time is the best way I'll put it. Yeah, I'm not going to go on about it because I've talked about it before, but it's, it's, oh, yeah, it just makes me go, oof, what a film. What a piece of, what a piece of art. And you can play the game of where the cuts are. You can. <laughs> you can. I went and watched it with, with a friend from work who's who's a TV editor. We were both sat there going, there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think there was one there. On that barbed wire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> there is only meant to be one particular cut or break in the action. The rest of it is supposed to flow as two separate pieces. It's when the soldier gets knocked out and then he wakes up in the basement. Yeah. And he meets the, the young woman with, with, with the baby. Fade to black. But yeah. Um, wake up. It was artfully edited as well as artfully, you know, kind of, like you say, Roger Deakins. I mean, he won it. He won the Oscar for it. So rightfully so. Spot on. Yeah. I, I'm actually going to stick with that for my next choice because those of you who follow the awards stuff will know that I actually had 1917 pegged as winning the best picture at this year's Oscars. Well, it didn't. Because the plot's not that uh, good. But luckily, <laughs> uh, 
the film that another the my second uh, good film of the year is the film that did win. It's Parasite. Got to see it a little bit later on in the year. So I'm very glad that I did get to see it because it is a fascinating, dark, gripping, funny, really nuanced, but kind of with so many levels to it. I mean, it's basically, it starts out as kind of like a bit of a class comedy, you know, kind of you've got the poor family, the Kims who who kind of living in, in kind of squalor. And then you've got the Park family who are very rich. Uh, you know, kind of architects, very beautiful houses, and the poor family kind of inveigle their way in to the, the rich people's lives. But then, about an hour in, it takes a turn and just gets really fucking dark, and it takes you to places that you wouldn't really expect. I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed Parasite, and I think in a year where... Um, films have been a bit few and far between yeah. it's definitely worth uh, definitely worth a look glass half full glass half full come on come on come on right um <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to streaming for this next one of course we are. uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't much of a selection director ben wheatley's uh, rebecca for netflix very nice um, choice I am not a massive fan of Ben Wheatley. Uh, if I'm honest, I think he is the poor man Stanley Kubrick. The only reason I watched this is because I love the Hitchcock original and thought, okay, how much can he stuff this up? Uh, and it turns out he actually does a really good job of it. <laughs> um, the reason I like Rebecca, and this is not this is not a recommendation. It's the most, I think the reason I enjoyed it is it's because it's the most un-Ben Wheatley film he's ever done. <laughs> and that's why I like it. Um, I don't want to take anything away from the bloke, but anyone could have directed that. It, it, there's not really any Ben Wheatley-ness to it. And that's why I enjoyed it. I mean, visually, it's, it's stunning. It's gorgeous. It's lavish. Uh, the whole mass ball scene is probably about as Ben Wheatley as you get, where it gets a little bit weird, but not too pretentious, which is what Ben Wheatley normally does. Uh, performance is spot on. Lily James breaks out of a quirky love interest role that she seems to have made a career out, out of. <laughs> films like Yesterday, for example. Um, <laughs> sorry, am I? Do I need to put the claws away? Do that's I? The, that's do so I... true. That is so true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, as 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 the new Mrs. De Winter, she she gives us some guts. Army Hammer is is perfectly brooding as as Maxim De Winter, but what makes this film is Kristen Scott Thomas as proper queen bitch, icy Mrs. Danvers with Hitchcock's original Judith Anderson. She makes the film, and Kristen Scott Thomas. Her performance is just as good. She's frightening, calculating, cold. Can't fault her. Can't fault her. She needs an award. She needs a gong for that performance. <laughs> is it as good as Pitch's original? It, no. It doesn't have the atmosphere. It doesn't have as much suspense and clinginess that, that Hitchcock's film had. But Wheatley does a good job. He does a solid job of it. Perfectly solid, decent film. Give it a watch. Give it a go. 
Okay, the next next film I'm going to bring up is actually I'm going to bring up two films because they come underneath what I'm calling the, the gap yar films, the gap films, the films with the largest <laughs> gap. Yeah. <laughs> ah. There's some films that have a really good first film and then they have a sequel and then nothing else really happens. You, you don't have your bookend. You don't have your trilogy. You don't have your your ending. You don't have your your your, your third act of these characters you love. And and one of the very different um, types of film, by the way. One's an action film, and one one's a, a, a comedy, well, cult classic uh, follow-on. Um, one has a gap of seventeen years. One has a gap of twenty-nine years, which is insane. Um, first one I bring up is Bad Boys for Life. There was no way that film should have been as good a sequel as it was. Um, and the other film, of course, I'm talking about is Bill and Ted Face the Music, um, which I caught up via uh, streaming services. Here's the thing. I'll talk about Bad Boys for Life and I'll talk about Bill and Ted. They're both films that had no no reason for them to be as good as they were. But what they both did, which was cleverly what they both did with their plots, was they f head on didn't try and make the characters younger. They acknowledged the gap the actual time that was that had gone by in our lives had gone by in the characters' lives. In the case of Bad Boys for Life, you had two um, police officers who are now, you know, the the uh, golden part of their career. Because you know, there's only so many so much of a career you've got running around the, the streets, taking down crime, and putting yourself yep. in, in in harm's way, having a family. It was very much a kind of like Roger Murtoff, uh, kind of like Lethal Weapon kind of vibe to the film. Just that whole I'm getting too old. Oh, absolutely, there was there was that that going on for it, but and you know they they took and what I really liked was they took some bold, daring, plot moments in it where characters you didn't think would get shot got shot, and you're like whoa, and they they gave them this vulnerability, gave them this uh, not superhero kind of quality. The comedy played off beautifully, and it was it was. It was like watching two old friends chatting and talking, and there was like these beautiful moments where they were taking the mick out of Snowflake Generation woke people, which was brilliant. Just I would I sat there and applauded them for it, um, and then you had Bill and Ted, which did exact you know did the same plot device. And what was beautiful about Bill and Ted was that obviously in the first two films that were cult classics, they are supposed to have. In the future, they're supposed to have made peace for all mankind because they, they create this song and this song and their music brings people together. And we find them having not done that and wondering when they're going to do that. And weird things have happened to them and they've kind of got domesticated, but they're still thick. They're still Bill and Ted. They still live next door to each other. What's beautiful as well is they incorporate all the elements that you saw in the news articles at the end of Bogus Journey, where you see the career of the Wild Stallions, that's all in there, that's all in the plot, that's all happened. Everything they mention has happened, like the band split up, they've fallen out with death, who's back in this as well. Both films are very different genre, but yeah, I thought I'd nail them together because I, you know, I think it's hard to find sequels with as long a gap as 29 years and 17 years between them and quite frankly the filmmakers nailed it and now there's there's not not two missing films we've now got bookends to two two lots of films that i really enjoy 
Okay, I'm going to lower the tone now. <laughs> More than Bill and Ted plays the music. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm actually going to put in the last film that I saw in the cinema, which was back in March, first week of March. So I had a busy February and I wasn't any, didn't able to get to see the film that I wanted to for a while. Uh, and it was, I went to see it with yourself, Reese. Um, and it might seem like a bit of an unusual choice. And I think in other years, this may not have made my good on my list. list. On my list. But it's Birds of Prey. Yes. Yes. I talk about films that have no right to be as good as it was. So much fun. So much fun. So anarchic and bright and destructive and brilliant. I mean, it was perfect. Turn your brain off. Watch the pretty colours. But more than that, it wasn't just like mindless popcorn fodder. Um, you know, Margot Robbie is clearly having a ball. You mm -hmm. can just tell the enthusiasm is just kind of coming off her in waves. And you can't help but kind of, it's a very magnetic kind of performance. And, you know, yeah, she's an anti-hero. She's not a villain. And you do kind of root for her, um, especially at the beginning, because she's kind of a bit down on her luck. Things have all gone a bit tits up and she's trying to find her place in the world. Margot Robbie leading from the front. My only kind of thing is they call this a, a Birds of Prey film. Not really. It's a Harley Quinn film. Yeah, it's Harley Quinn, the movie with guest starring cameo appearance yeah. by some of the Birds of the Prey that might be the Birds of Prey. Yeah, but not to, you know, kind of that's that's by the by really absolutely but the the rest of the cast around around margot are just superb i mean i haven't seen rosie perez give a performance this good in years i think the last good thing i saw her in might even have been white men can't jump but she's fantastic she plays renee montoya and um so she's the kind of hard-headed cop who's kind of trying to deal with all of this madness. You've got Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is the huntress, who is desperately seeking for, desperately seeking revenge for the death of her family. But the great thing with that is she is played as a character that is supposed to be so moral and so kind of like righteous. But at every point, everyone is just like puncturing that kind of, and making her kind of like go, oh, fuck, no, it's not that. Um, which I found really very, very enjoyable. Um, and then you got Jenny Smollett, who was uh, Black Canary. Um, I really enjoyed her performance. And she got some really good... It's one of those nice films where, yes, it's a film about kind of, you know, the, getting the gang together, but it's not. It's one of these ones where it's a very uneasy alliance. I think they, they realise that there's more... You know, they, they, they stand a better chance together than apart but they're not exactly on board villain wise you've got roman sionis who play who is the black mask or who goes on to be the black mask uh ewan mcgregor is camping it up to 10 <laughs> it's brilliant and it shouldn't be it should be vaguely offensive and not work but it does and you've got chris messina who plays victor zaz who is kind of uh, Sionis's right hand man potentially lover they do drop a couple of not quite so subtle hints that that might be going on yeah normally 
in a, in a regular year, this this probably wouldn't have rated very highly, but because it was so much fun, and I think because it was the last film I saw in the cinema, I'm being a bit more forgiving, shall we say, but it is still definitely worth a watch. This is my favourite film of 2020. <laughs> Not that there's been much choice, but it's my favourite film. Streaming again, uh, Netflix, horror, obviously. Oh, obviously. It's obviously His House, directed by Rami Weeks. Uh, it's his, what you've got to remember with this film, this is the guy's debut film. His, his, his first go in the director's chair. What is it about? It's about a refugee couple from South Sudan who are housed in a crumbling, filth-ridden house on a London, London council estate. Uh, and it's not long before they discover that their new home is haunted. I watch a lot of horror films, loads of them I enjoy. They're fun and I get a buzz out of them. Few of them genuinely scare me. And Netflix's His House really did scare me. A perfect haunted house film needs two things. It needs scares and it needs a strong story. Like, like I said, I can't get over that this is Weeks' first film as a director. He will have focus your attention on one thing, but what about the edge of the frame? What about the background? What about the darkness? What's there lurking? And then, bam, there comes the jump scare. It's so pristinely done, the scares. And... There's no haunted house cliches here. There's no ch creepy children or slamming doors or weird noises. What Weeks uses is African folklore and witchcraft to show you things that you will not have seen before in a haunted house film. It's fresh, it's original, it, 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 sweaty palms. You will have sweaty palms watching this film. <laughs> the, the, the story itself is, is powerful stuff. It's about PTSD, it's about grief. And how can you keep hold of your sanity when everything is new, everything is foreign, you don't understand how things worked, you've been dropped in another world and been pretty much left to fend for yourself. It will scare you and it will emotionally wreck you. It is, I've only seen that and Colour Out of Space. I've only seen two horror films this year, but oh, how his house gets the award for best horror film of 2020. Even if I'd have seen more horror films, it would have taken taken something to beat it. It's oh, if you like your horror, go and watch it. Amazing, amazing film. I've got I've got two more that I can chuck in. I want to chuck in one. I just want to quickly highlight and say go watch, which is Enola Holmes, uh, which stars oh, yeah. the young Millie Bobby Brown from the good old Stranger Things fame. Um, she plays the younger sister of a Henry Cavill, Sherlock Holmes. It's a it's a it's a mystery, a stroke, a teenage uh, kind of kind of adventure film in the ilk of the young Sherlock Holmes. It, it, it's a little bit. It takes a well, not a little bit. It takes a lot of um, <laughs> it takes a lot of a license for story. <laughs> if you go by the Conan Arthur Doyle novels, don't go with that. Throw that out of the window. This is its own thing. It's a he has a younger sister. Go with it. It's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it was came out on Netflix. It, it's yeah it's just fun it's a really good film she's fantastic in it helen bonacarta turns up as as um mummy holmes and she's fantastic as ever uh she's brilliant. henry cavill is brilliant as Sheila holmes in the small scenes a couple bits he's in he brings a real gravitas and i, I want to see more and more of henry cavill's Sheila holmes actually it's a really interesting version and then the last one i'm going to mention is a film that i was i was i was i was really looking forward to this in the cinema 
and I have watched it um, and I it, it comes out uh, it's it's available now to pay for for streamers and it will be out on Disney plus for all uh, the members of Disney plus in time for this going out uh, start this week it's released December the 4th I think it is it's Mulan the live action version of the Disney classic what is fantastic about this live action version is it is in fact a retelling a new version it is a live action version of the same story it is not a remake of the cartoon musical that's what's good and new about this there is no songs, there is no dragon dancing around telling Mulan how to save the world. What also is fantastic about this for a modern film from American Money is a, a film about ancient uh, China uh, has a large, pretty much the entire cast are in fact Asian actors playing Asians. Who knew? <laughs> That's <laughs> lovely to see. I mean, <laughs> what's brilliant is, as well, you've got some up-and-coming actors who are well-known from the Hong Kong circuit, but then there are also some really well-known actors in supporting roles, like Donnie Yang is in this. He's phenomenal, as ever. You have Jason Scott Lee, who was massive in the 90s, who actually played Bruce Lee in The Dragon Story. That's one of his big films, but Jason Scott Lee is in this as the villain. He is fantastic. And also, I, I, I it you not... I watched the film and the, the em person playing the emperor is, is an and and in role. And I was watching this film going, I recognise the, the, the guy playing the emperor. Where do I have the voice? Heavy makeup, Lee, old makeup. It's Jet Lee. And it was only, yeah. like, only when they came up with and Jet Lee as the emperor, blah, 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 blah. And my brain went, oh my God, this film got even better. The action is superb. <laughs> The, the the punchiness is brilliant. Yes, it does have some Disney uh, watercolour over the historical things going on and blah, blah, blah. I loved it. I honestly loved it. I don't know, like many things this year, if it's because it's been a drought of entertainment and films and I finally saw something new. But this film, I honestly would heartily recommend. It's one of the best things that came out this year. And if you've got Disney+, Plus, watch it over Christmas. So this is normally the part of the show where we would start discussing our naughty list for bitchy, the year. I think you find we normally bitch massively about terrible yes. films. Yes. This year, as a whole, has just generally been very naughty. <laughs> what we're talking about in this section is going to be the effect that lockdowns and closures have had on the world of cinema in the UK. Before we start. Got a couple of facts and figures. So we'll be talking mostly about what's happened in Wales. So, March 23rd, when the UK-wide lockdown began. At that point, everything stopped. Restaurants, cinemas, theatres. All of it. Ground to a halt. And obviously, that then takes time to get back up and running. Because... Social distancing theory needed to be put in place. Various kind of safety issues, getting a track and trace up and running and all of this stuff. So there wasn't a lot of movement with uh, things reopening, shall we say, until it was kind of the end of it's kind of the end of June. The cinema that I go to mostly, Cineworld, 
opened mid-August. So they took a little bit longer because there were things that they had to put in place. And also the other issue, and this is where things get a little bit sticky for me, is obviously it's having things to show. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously the big draw was supposed was, was Tenet, so Christopher Nolan's uh, newest magnum opus. Anyone seen that? I frankly left me cold. Oh, you've seen it? No, no, just just the whole oh. thing. I saw the trailers and read up about it, and it and it left me cold. Wasn't interested in the slayer. So it I, didn't get me. It didn't get my bum back in the seat when the no. when the cinemas did reopen. No, I could go on a massive rant about Tenet. When did time travel get serious? End I remember maybe, maybe it's being a maybe it's growing up in the eighties or being a kid in the eighties. But in the eighties, you had Back to the Future, Terminator. Where, why is why is time travel got so navel gazing and so dull and so just oh can we have a can we have time travel films for the fun again please? Here, here. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox now. No, no, that's fine. No, but you you have kind of just hit on something with that. Whilst it made money, it certainly didn't do the business that cinema chains were, were hoping it would. Christopher Nolan is a very bankable director. His films make money, but he tends to make films that are to be admired rather than liked, I would say. Yes. So you're not necessarily going to go and repeat viewing kind of thing. You'll go and see it once and you'll go, oh, well, that was whatever that was. So we entered a bit of a weird, not really being major kind of tent poles. So the summer blockbusters season was a write-off. Unsurprisingly, cinemas lost money. So, so Cineworld, from January to June of this year, made a worldwide loss of $1.3 billion. Oh, that's just you know, one chain. Out the back of the sofa. That's just one chain, that is, now we're talking about. That's one chain. and But that is the whole world. That's the that's its worldwide operations, because it's got mm. sites in, obviously, in the US, in Ireland, Canada, here. Uh, I think they've got a couple of places in, because they own a couple of different chains as well. So they've got them, them all over the place. So, yeah. So, sorry, my apologies. £1.3 billion loss not dollars 2019 the same point a year before uh was 110 million pounds in profit so that's one hell hell of a loss um to the point where when they announced it the share price fell 11 percent And of course, as we know, films kept on being pushed back. They're still being pushed back. And they're yeah. still being pushed back. They're still being amended. Some are going to streaming. Some are going here. Some are going there. Some are not going at all. And here is here is the issue. Without the big, without big films, people aren't going to go. 
no films, no audience. It's that simple. Yeah, the thing is, there are films still being shown. Cinemas are still running, but they're showing a lot of independent stuff. They're showing a lot of reruns. They're showing films that perhaps they were showing at the beginning of the year where, and then had to close. So they're still getting that through. So there are films, the cinemas are still having films in them, but without the big tent poles, people aren't going, which is why, and I think it's, I do think this is slightly disingenuous of Cineworld, but I think there is a grain of truth into it. When they announced that No Time to Die was being pushed to next April, April 2021, um, they basically kind of went into a bit of freefall. And so Cineworld have closed all of the cinemas in the UK and Ireland. Uh, they closed them at the beginning of October because there was nothing. They weren't, they weren't really showing anything. Now, the problem, and obviously with that, it's closed, closed down completely, bring the curtain down. 45,000 people worldwide had their jobs threatened, 6,000 in the UK, and there is no reopening date for them as yet. They're closed until further notice. So it's difficult. It's a difficult, it's a hard time. But I genuinely, this is, this is me, and this is me getting on my soapbox now, so I apologise about this. But it feeds into something that I said last year. The amount of money that Hollywood makes is obscene. It truly is. I know that when you go to make a film, you know, the bottom line is profit. Let's make money. Let's get let's get the bums on seats. Several of the major distributors, I think, should have taken a chance. They should have released their films, even in this time. Because then you get people back in the cinemas, you get bums on seats. Maybe not as many as you expected, maybe not as many as you wanted. But you just you just, you just have the film on release for a longer period. So, yeah. So you, you give you the cannot, audience a chance to go. You cannot tell me that if No Time to Die, for instance, didn't make 120 million at the box office, that's not gonna sink. No, it's not. That's not gonna sink a studio. Same with, same with Wonder Woman. If Wonder Woman had been released earlier as it was meant to, yeah, okay, it may not have made the big bucks, but it's not going to ruin the studio. It's not going to, people are not going to be laid off. They're not going to lose their jobs. And I genuinely think that several of the distributors and several of the studios have not helped the issues of cinemas closing, people losing their jobs by being overcautious in terms of release i mean the flip side of it is is um i mean this is back in may this this is from an article in the guardian from may which was at the height of the of the uk lockdown and they had a figure of estimation of 4.6 million new signups to video subscription on demand services in the uk alone i mean that that tells you there that like that there's still a market out there for people who enjoy film, like, you know, and and that's not just people who enjoy film. That's people who are, who are, want to watch things, who want to watch new things, new content. 
Absolutely. So I understand why they're releasing stuff to subscription services, but my argument with, when you're looking at, like with looking to release Wonder Woman in the cinema, and they, they, they did the same with um, Bill and Ted, is it's so easy to pirate it. It's so easy yeah. for it not to be paid for, for you to lose your money by simply what you're doing, in fact, is you might as well just put your file of that film up online for free in essence is what you're you're opening yourself up to that's the great thing about cinema at the moment uh cinema is still the place where you go and secure and you're not you're not going to get you know that content is there and it's only ever going to be there really um not to the amount of, of things that were flying around on various sites at the time of bill and ted i put money on it happening again on christmas day when or around december when wonder woman suddenly the files are out there from hbo um yeah. They won't just re- remain on HBO Max. They'll they'll be all over the place, and they'll find themselves losing money hand over fist. If if they released it in the cinema, and they had it out for a longer period, and they advertised and said that it will be having an films from now on will be having an extended uh, time in the cinema. They'll be out for two to three months uh, because the audience will be smaller, and you're safe in cinemas. Uh, if the if the cinemas look at their air conditioning units and invest in purification systems within the air conditioning and have air conditioning systems upgraded to the like of hospitals where the air is cleaned as it circulates, again, you advertise that. And like you said, Tez, there's enough money in the system for them to be doing that. And they should have those air conditioning units in the cinema anyway, so people can go there and be healthy, never mind about COVID. So if, and I say if, things go to plan in 2021, it's going to be an amazing year for films. Uh, so much that's been delayed that's going to, going to be shown next year. Uh, for me, although there isn't a date as yet, but you would hope, hope it will be out in 2021, will be A Quiet Place Part 2 for me. Uh, wasn't fussed about it when it was announced, but, and it may just be hype, it may just be the marketing machine whirring, test audiences, test screenings said it was as good as the original. And if you do listen to the podcast, I said it was bar, bar, um, let the right one in, best horror film of the 21st century. So to say that it's as good as the original is praise indeed, but <laughs> if it sees the light of day next year, who knows? So one of the one of the films that I want to see next year uh, is Everybody's Talking About Jamie, which is a movie adaptation of a stage musical about a young lad who wants to be a drag queen. Uh, the music in it is fantastic. The script is so heartbreakingly real, but funny at the same time. You've got some great performances uh, throughout the film. You've got Richard E. Grant playing the wonderfully named Loco Chanel. You've got Sarah Lancashire who plays Jamie's mum. And it looks like one of those proper heartwarming kind of British movies. And I really think that's going to be a good way to start the year off. I'm going to knock it out of the park. There's one that um, I was looking forward to watching this Christmas. Um, And I know Tez was going to be looking forward to it as well. I was going to hopefully go and watch it with my mum. Uh, which is the follow-up uh, with Kenneth Branagh with the Hercule Poirot big screen adaptation of uh, Death on the Nile, which is an all-star yep. cast, and I was massively looking forward to that. That is now ready, uh, apparently being out next Christmas, apparently now. They just shuffled it by a year. So next Christmas, hopefully I'll be doing that. 
This is actually out later this month, but oh, I really want to see this. It's Pixar's latest, Soul, which is going to be released on Disney+. Plus. was meant to be in the cinemas. It's now going to be on uh, Disney+. Plus. It's If this is Pixar on form, and we're talking Finding Nemo, Monsters, Inc., uh, Inside Out, Up, then oh, it's going to be good. <laughs> um, I'm going to get in with this one before Reese does, because I know it's one he was going to mention. It's something that I talked about in the previous section, but I really cannot wait to see No Time to Die. Yeah! Oh, yes. Bond, Bond, uh, Daniel Craig's swan song as Bond, I will be there because I can't wait for it. Never mind the pandemic. That film was meant to come out Christmas 2019. That was meant to be out in November 2019, but there was an injury on set. Craig hurt himself. And then it was moved to April of this year. And then we all know the rest. I'm going to knock two of these straight out. I'm going to knock, bound to have these on there. But these two, I'm going to put, you know, I'll put these on there. Uh, um, they were both uh, moved from this year. They were Marvel's, part of Marvel's lineup for this year. Uh, one is Black Widow, which is meant to be coming out this year. And it's now going to be out next year. At the moment, it's slated for May. Should be fine, because we should all have our jabs by then. Um and then The Eternals, which was meant to be out this November. That's now being moved to next February. No, it's now being moved to November next year. But they're both out next year, hopefully. Normally, I wouldn't be fussed about this film, but considering what, what 2020 has been like, I just want to see something new. Halloween Kills. Does it need to be made? Did it need to be made? No. The, the fact that they got away with it with the 2018 reboot was, was fair enough. But no, the studio want their cash, want their money. But I'll still go and watch it because I like the Halloween franchise. But yeah, that's supposed to be out next year. One that I would have gone to watch this year with a slightly morbid curiosity, Dune. Yes. Is now October of next year. It should have been this Christmas. Yeah. I'm not a massive fan of, of the world of the mythology. I do enjoy the David Lynch version. And it is out of curiosity that I would be going to see Dennis Villeneuve's version. But yeah, so that is next October now. I'm looking forward to that. I was looking forward to it for this Christmas. I, I do like the original. I do like Herbert's um, world. Dennis Villeneuve, when I heard he was going to be making it, that's when I got really excited about this version. Okay, this one, I'm just going to quickly chuck in there because it's obvious for me. It was a film I was looking forward to this year and and, and Tez, well, it's 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 as if it would be anti-Tez. It's uh, Fast and Furious 9. We'll leave it there. It's now finally going to come out next year, hopefully. Uh, they've also announced that the, 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 the 10th and final one is no longer going to be the 10th and final one. They're now going to have to do an 11th one to get to the end of the saga. So the 9th one comes out next year. I don't have anything else. Come on. I have a massive list in front of me. Fire through your list then. Tez, you got any more? I've got a couple. Go, Tez. Um... Okay, one of the other Marvel films for next year, which Reese didn't mention, but I will, because I know nothing about the character, so it will be interesting to see how to see it on screen as Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Is that, that is out next year? Next July. It is out, is it? Ah, supposed to be next July. Okay, because no, because Eternals was moved to later. Yeah, all of the sh all of the shifting oh, around. Shang Chi, right? Is Shang Chi is due uh, July time? Like I say, I know I know nothing about the the, the character. I know nothing about really 
the plot or anything to do with it. So it's going to be nice to go into something and be really, really fresh. What you want to watch out for, I don't think it'll be in this one. Um, it might be, it might not. They might introduce the real Mandarin yeah. finally in the MCU. And that's a good in-way, uh, segue in with the real guy. If you've seen the short, oh, definitely. Uh, anyway, we won't go there. Anyway, yeah, there we are. Okay, I've got, I've got, I've got another Marvel for you. There, oh my God, is there four Marvel studio films out? Never mind Morbius, I'm not going to mention, or Venom 2, because they all suck. I don't want to know about them. But actual Marvel studio movies, there's another one coming out next year, which at the moment is the untitled Spider-Man sequel, which comes out next, now next December. That's out in time for Christmas, so you can enjoy that yep. next Christmas. I'm just going to, have you got any more tales, or should I just fire off the ones I've got? Fire off the ones you've got, mate, because I think, apart from, oh yeah, The King's Man. That's on my list. Uh, the Kingsman, uh, the, the prequel to uh, the Kingsman films, uh, that was due at some point during this summer and is now out in, supposed to be out in February. I, I genuinely enjoy those films. They are a little bit of mindless escapism. They are essentially, they're my Fast and Furious. So Absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that. They're classic. They're classy. They're classy. Okay, I'm going to fire off some uh, some of you that 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 I'm looking forward to next year, and some of them are coming out um, this year. Some were always scheduled for next year, um, and they're definitely at my street. Obviously, you've got Top Gun Maverick, which is the follow-up of Top Gun. I mentioned that last year that I was looking forward to that. I'll give that a go. You've got Wonder Woman 1984 that is coming out uh, this month, maybe, supposedly, or it may be not. We'll find out what's happening, but that I'm looking forward to seeing. I'm going to put that into next year's bracket. Uh, I'm going to also going to mention um, the world of DC, as now we've mentioned Wonder Woman. There's a couple that are coming out next year that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Suicide Squad 2, which it should be called, or The Suicide Squad, which James Gunn has directed. Looking forward to that. Which, um, uh, yeah, Margot Robbie's back in that as Harley Quinn. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm also looking forward to seeing a special version of the film that's coming out next year from DC Universe, which is simply called Justice League The Snyder Cut, which will be on HBO Max and streaming services, probably in the UK as well. It is a, at the moment, it's a four part uh, mini series cut version of the Justice League. It is uh, two and a half hours of footage that's never been seen and repaired and put back into the original Snyder Cut version of the film, which we've now found out was going to be a dual release in the cinema. There would have been Justice League and Justice League Part 2 a couple of months later. That's how it would have been presented. It would have been two two-hour films. I'm really excited about that coming out next year because it's going to answer a lot of questions about what the fuck happened to Justice League. <laughs> and I'd be nice to see Henry Cavill without a weird lip as Superman again. Um, and the black suit will be in there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to actually seeing the Justice League that I was looking forward to seeing. Also coming out next year is a film that I was really looking forward to. There was a, it, it was moved. It was moved from next May. Um, to April 2022 where I was like fuck you pandemic and your fucking ill little virus and now it's been moved back to December 2021 so I've got that to look forward to next Christmas which is The Matrix 4 yet Ooh, untitled probably The Matrix Rebooted I think would be a fantastic title for that um, thank you very much I oh, thank you you've heard it here first The Matrix Rebooted next Christmas um 
that I'm looking forward to. Another one that is on my list that I love and Antez hates these films is good old Mission Impossible 7 and as yet untitled. That comes out next year still. It was going to come out in the summer. It's now been moved to November, but yet it's still on the schedule for next year. Always was going to come out next year. It was one of my 2021 films again. This is how spoiled this dweeb here is. And then also at the top of my list, my final one, which was my all time looking forward to for this year I will hopefully finally get to see it it was moved to March next year that's not going to happen because we all need our jabs it's now been moved to June the next year that is and I was saying earlier about films that only had two in the series only two we don't count shit reboots only two in the series and then you hopefully get the third <laughs> third final act after a long gap this is the ultimate gap your film it is Ghostbusters Afterlife yeah, that's my list. Matt, how dare you forget about any of those films? <sighs> breathe. I feel breathe, bad that I forgot breathe. about Ghostbusters Afterlife. I didn't know about <laughs> Matrix 4. I didn't know Matrix 4 had been pulled, like it's been yeah. brought back. Yeah, yeah I, it's been brought forward. Do yeah. you think John Wick 5 is now... Um, is John Wick 5 or John Wick 4 that's coming out next? John Wick 4, isn't it? It's coming John out next. 4, that, yeah. I think that's now 22. I think that's been pushed forward. Because it was going to be the battle of um, Keanu. There was going to be a Keanu day in the cinema next year. But obviously... He's only been able to go back to set to finish The Matrix and then he'll start shooting John Wick 4. Probably mm. 4 and 5 back to back because he's, they've announced 4, four and 5. 4 and 5 are, yeah, they are being done back to back. There we are. 22 that comes out. Well, I've got loads yeah. in a list of 22 already, but I'm not going to talk about them because that's <laughs> next year. I'm excited about the films again. This is great. That's a good place to leave it, boys. <laughs> so that is our review of 2020. It's definitely been as has been said so many times throughout the year it's been unprecedented so we hope that everyone is staying safe and everyone is doing okay just want to again say a massive thank you to all of the essential key workers who have kept things going through these times you are all absolute heroes whether you like it or not we hope that everyone has a lovely Christmas, however you're spending it, and we will see you in the new year. So from me and Reese and Matt, we just want to say very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. If you like what you hear and want to find out more about us, go to our website, www.watchersproductions.com. Mm-hmm.